Praise the Lord, everybody. There we go. We greet you in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Thank God for his love that we can share with one another. Come on, how many of you know God is great and greatly to be praised? Come on, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Bible says our God is worthy to be praised. Is there anybody in here that knows he's worthy of a great praise? Come on, if he's just worthy of a mediocre praise, you give a mediocre praise. But does anybody know that he's worthy of a great praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank and praise God for the opportunity to come once again to those of you who are watching via the World Wide Web. Thank you for being with us on today. I'm Dr. D.Z. Cofield, senior pastor here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church of Houston, Texas. And I want to thank you once again for the privilege of your time. Thank you for being with us. You passed so many churches on the way to this space on the digital platform. And we want to thank you for coming and sharing with us. Like us and love us. Share us with family members and friends. Let them know there's never been a better time for hope. And remember, you're not watching to make us anything. We're here to help you become all that God wants you to be. Just a couple of announcements and uh, really, you know, I, I like to use this period. I tell people our announcements can be anywhere from five to 15 minutes long. And they say, announcements are that long? I say, well, no, they're really testimonies. We're really just testifying to the great things that God is doing in the life of our church. Uh, want to make everybody aware, you know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, and we certainly want to stop and, one, encourage those who are in the midst of the fight with that disease, but also remember those who have succumbed to that disease. And remember early detection is the best form of medicine in terms of getting the treatment early. And so I want to encourage you to take responsibility for your health and responsibility for your wellness in that way. October is also Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and it's something that is near and dear to my heart, having grown up in a home um, where abuse was the norm and uh, could almost schedule it with Friday paychecks and and uh, some Cuddy Sark and some other beverages of, of the adult variety um, and knew if uh, stuff was going to stay around too long, something was going to happen. Amen. Um, but grateful to God that uh, God has brought me out of that environment and hopefully has brought you out of that environment as well. Um, but for those of you who may be uh, struggling in that kind of atmosphere of abuse, um, whether it is verbal or physical uh, or mental, whatever it is, uh, our hope and prayer is that you will find help to help you deal with that. And if you are a perpetrator, I hope that you will come to the reality that hurt people hurt people. Amen. Hurt people hurt people. And when we have been hurt and our hurt is unresolved, we will in turn hurt somebody else. And typically, we hurt those who are closest to us. And so, uh, remember that. Uh, last um, but not least, this is also Depression Awareness Month. 
And I just want to encourage everybody to know that self-care is not selfish. Um, we've gone through some really difficult times over the last three years. Um, former First Lady Michelle Obama talked about the entire world going through a low-grade depression just from our loss, loss of normalcy. Um, but we also could not grieve as we have in the past. And then you add on top of that the unrest that has existed in our country around social justice issues and the criminal injustice system and then financially, economically, all that's been going on. It's just been a challenging time. So make sure you take care of yourself. Amen. Make sure you look out for yourself. And if you're going through some things, uh, please don't write it off or minimize it. Uh, do what you need to do to find the help that you need. On October the 21st, 9 a.m., October the 21st, which is uh, Saturday, not this Saturday, but the following Saturday, we have our quarterly church leadership meeting. Um, it's a little misnamed because it's not just for our leaders, but it's for any of you who are church members who are concerned and committed about the future of the church. Uh, you want to know where we have been. You want to know where we are going. Uh, we only have one annual business meeting, but this is an opportunity for us to celebrate what God has done, especially in terms of our discipleship, in terms of lives being touched and changed, and then what God wants us to do moving forward. That will be on Saturday. Use the QR code register. Let us know you're coming so we can make sure we have uh, a little breakfast for you when you come. Rooted and grounded groups make some noise. We're certainly grateful and thankful for our rooted and grounded discipleship culture. One aspect of that culture is the I will group. The I will groups are groups of people who are connecting new members to Good Hope. Uh, since men, since May, I should say, since May, many new members have started their rooted and grounded discipleship journey here at Good Hope in an I Will Life group. And if you haven't been in an I Will Life group and you're a new member uh, and it's something that you would like to experience, um, I think it will bless you in a tremendous way. I want you to hear a testimony from one of our members who was extremely blessed in the I Will portion of her discipleship journey here at Good Hope. My name is Ashley Winters, and I've been with Good Hope for about a year and a half. I want to thank you for me being able to share my spiritual journey. And I started here when I was going through a really rough time, so I would like you to listen to my story for a second. When I first came to Good Hope, I had no hope, to be honest. I had lost my mother and I lost my father. And getting baptized here in June, on June 25th, I really found my first church home. When I got baptized here, I knew that I had to publicly admit that I had a love for God that I never had before. 
Um, when I had went through my tragedies, I lost my mother in 2020, and then I lost my father in 2021. So after that, I was very, very lost. I lost things in my spiritual life. I lost things in my physical life. I got my car repoed. I ended up losing my job. They just called me one day and said, hey, I don't, we don't need you anymore. And so with everything being back to back, I had called a good friend of mine and she said, your story sounds like the book of Job. And so I said, the book of Job, like, what is that? Like, I, I've, never, I've never been in the Bible to know that. All I knew was Noah's Ark, Christmas time, you know? So I started personally reading the book of Job and I was like, oh, this man, this man lost it all, but he still praised God. So after learning about that, I was talking to another friend and he was like, he's my really good friend. He said, hey, you know what? Come to church, come to church with me. You gotta come to church. So we came here to Good Hope. Um, on my first, my first weeks, I was listening to pastor and what pastor was saying, the stories of the Bible, he was explaining like, we, we're going through this because, because God wants to show us the magic that he has in store for us. So as I was hearing the stories in the Bible, I was like, oh, well, my, my story ain't that bad compared to the things that were going on in the Bible. So knowing that, I felt one with knowing my purpose in life. In closing our I Will chapters, we all had a chance to read a prayer and um, it was finally my turn. So I actually would like to share that prayer with you. God, thank you for my breath today and every other. I am grateful for my life and the abilities you have given me to enrich the lives of others. I wanna thank you for bringing me to this church of good hope. I wanna thank you for guiding me to honor and live for you and be baptized to show my love for you publicly. Thank you for Mr. Charles being the deacon of my life, a leader, and being there each step of my process and also the wisdom, the wisdom he has within him to share your word. Give him the power and strength to continue to bless others like he has blessed me. He has taught me that no matter what's going on in your life, you can make it right and live for God joyfully and rejoice in his name daily. God, I thank you for the spirit of a fam and bless his journey in your name. Give him courage and more guidance as the years go on in his profession. I have learned from him that no dream is too big nor too small in your eyes, Lord. And with that faith, we can move mountains and also help people who don't have the resources, helping them from our hearts and paying tithes in more ways than others. And last but not least, God, bless my sisters in Christ. These two ladies have inspired me so. I am so grateful and thankful to see their sisterly bond and it has even made me call on my own sister more, God, continue to cover my siblings. Lord, continue to keep my sisters in Christ bond together, their laughs longer, and their love for you louder. Bless their children throughout this entire school year, God. Continue to show them the way through your eyes, although I know they have it covered because they've been learning from you their whole lives. Lord, as we close our I Will chapters, I want you to take this time and give every person in the world that needs you and learn long for your push of hope that they can make it to their first step in learning and loving you more, God. Guide others that have been strayed and forgive those that have asked for your mercy, Lord. I wanna thank you for this opportunity to share love, laughs, inspiration, life, and faith with these people here. My new church family, this has been a blessing. I'm looking forward what more things we have in store. Glory be to you always, amen. So going back to the I Will chapters, I really highly recommend that because when you come into a new segment in your life and you don't have the support or you don't know where to go with your, your guidance from God or you don't know what to do with this newfound spiritual, spirituality, you need that assistance. So I highly recommend I Will and then furthermore, Rooted and Grounded because it will definitely keep you on the right path.
Amen. Amen. So again, I will, we specifically use that as a bridge for new members who are coming in, give you an opportunity to connect in a small group setting, <coughs> excuse me, and then prepare you for your rooted and grounded experience here at the church. And I'm grateful and thankful uh, Deacon Carswell, that's who she was referring to as her Deacon, Deacon Charles, Deacon Carswell. And um, I want to thank all of those who are part of the I Will team for the tremendous job that they do in making new members feel welcome and feel wanted. Now, this week we move into week five and we're getting ready for our service projects, which will be in the next two weeks. And again, what makes our discipleship culture somewhat different and unique, many churches have discipleship programs. Programs are built around classes. Culture is built around experiences. And part of your experience is not just what you get in the classroom, but what you do in the community. It's about living out the principles that you learn. A lot of people know Christianity. Here's the problem. All of us know more than we're living. Amen. If we could just start living everything that we know, we'd be better off and the world would be a better place. And so my hope and my prayer is that you are excited about your service project. And uh, we've got some great projects coming up. And you want to make sure that you are being the salt and light that God has called you to be. Now, remember, our service projects are not just doing good stuff. It is our responsibility to share God's love with hurting people. So, for example, we don't go to the food bank and pack boxes. That's a good work, but you're not dealing with hurting people. We want to give those boxes to people and be the love of God and show the love of God to somebody who may have never experienced God's love in a real and personal way. Amen? Amen. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time. Father, we thank you and bless you for today. We pray now, God, that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight. That it will bring glory and honor to you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. And may the good seed find good soil in our hearts and minds that we would be more than just hearers of your word. Help us to be doers as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is an enemy in the camp. Uh, everybody in my cabinet is not in my corner. There are some weeds in the garden that we have to get out so the flowers can grow. Uh, these are some of the statements I've heard leaders of groups and organizations make after identifying someone in their organization who was with them but not for them. They recognized that moves had to be made to get that person out of the organization because that person was a stumbling block. They were holding back the organization from fulfilling its potential from being the best it could possibly be. Now, my brothers and sisters, if you've been a part of an organization or if you've had to lead a group or organization, you have probably had a moment 
when you've had to identify somebody and maybe had to have a black coffee conversation with them, had to have a tough talk with them to say, hey, can't keep going this way or I'm going to have to make a change. But what do you do when the enemy that you have to deal with is not beside you but is within you? What do you do when it's not somebody on the outside but it's the person that you look at in the mirror every day who is your worst enemy? See, I submit to you today, my brothers and sisters, that while many of us want to assign blame to somebody else, the truth of the matter is the thing that keeps us from going where God wants us to be the most is the stop sign that we're holding in our own hand that we put in our own face. In our scripture today, the apostle Paul shares with us some valuable tips around what it means to find freedom to be the best that you can possibly be. In our rooted study, we begin week five, there is an enemy. What's interesting is when you look at the other weeks, you will find a question being posed. But this is not a question, this is a declarative statement. In other words, Paul is not asking, do you know if you have an enemy? He is telling you flat out there is an enemy. And so today for a few moments, I want to talk to you from the thought how to overcome the strongholds in your life. How to overcome the strongholds in your life. Now, when we did our church-wide rooted, I actually preached uh, this message on Mother's Day earlier this year, I've made some shifts, I've made some changes because as I looked at that message and began to study and prepare to see if I was going to preach something else, it became clear that there were some points that I needed to emphasize in order for us to recognize that we have strongholds and what we needed to do to deal with the strongholds in our life. If you have an outline, would you say amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. In Colossians 1.13, Paul says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Your salvation is needed first to help you with your walk with God, to move you from darkness into the light so that you can be set free from the penalty of sin. But once you move past your initial salvation experience with God, there is what is called sanctification. And your sanctification is needed as your second step in your walk with God to help deliver you from the strongholds that are holding you back. As a matter of fact, while salvation addresses the penalty of sin that you are set free from, Sanctification deals with being set free from the power of sin in your life. Finding out how to walk in the freedom that God has for you. Four things I want you to see today that I hope and pray will give you everything you need to find the freedom that God has for you. Here's the first thing. Number one, you need to realize you have strongholds in your life. You have strongholds in your life. Verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, For though we walk in the flesh, 
We are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Stop right there. The Corinthians judge Paul's ministry and the Christian life by the outward appearance, completely missing the power therein. In other words, they judge what kind of Christian you was by what you had, by what you wore, by where you lived, by the accumulation of cash, cars, commodities, and creature comforts, like many believers do today. And Paul wanted to let the Corinthian Christians understand that how they judged the Christian life was in diametric opposition to what God said in his word. We are trying to fight a spiritual battle with earthly weapons. And he says, no, what you have on earth has nothing to do with what God is trying to do in your life by the power of God. Paul says each of us has to recognize that we are in a spiritual battle and because we are in a spiritual battle, we need spiritual weapons to be successful in that battle. That's why he says in verse 4, if you look at it again, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. There are times, consciously or not, when we allow our enemy, our adversary, to have authority and or take a position of power in our lives. And the Bible calls this a stronghold. Now, the word stronghold is an interesting word because it literally refers to a castle or a fortress, something that is made to withhold something and something that will in turn keep something out. And God says, you and I have to be willing to identify and recognize that we have strongholds. Now, listen to me carefully. A stronghold is more than sin. A stronghold is an area in your life where sadness, sin, or suffering has taken root in your spirit, so much so that it affects who you are how you think, and what you do, keeping you from fulfilling your God-given potential in your life. Let me say it again. A stronghold is an area of your life where sadness, sin, or suffering has taken root in your spirit, so much so that it affects who you are, how you think, and what you do, keeping you from fulfilling your God-given potential in your life. Sometimes you get mad at a person when in actuality that person is simply reminding you or triggering a stronghold in your life. Now, let me tell you one more thing. Strongholds many times are planted before you know Jesus. So when a stronghold takes root before you know Christ, sometimes you make the mistake of thinking it's your person or your personality. 
because it's been with you so long because you really don't remember life without it being with you. And what the Holy Ghost wants you to see today is that the power of God can not only set you free from the penalty of sin in terms of salvation, but the power of God will set you free from the power of sin in terms of freeing you from your strongholds. And here's what that stronghold does. It gives Satan power over that area of your life. And if you're not careful, a stronghold will cause you to underachieve and underperform in your thoughts, in your words, and in your deeds. Sometimes a stronghold will keep you from even trying before the enemy can defeat you because you are locked in to something that is in your spirit that God never intended that the devil is now using to debilitate you, depress you, and or to destroy you. And here's the biggest problem with a stronghold. It justifies its existence because of the legitimacy of what you went through. Whatever abandonment issues you had, whatever lies were told, whatever neglect you experienced, whatever pain you have gone through, it is legitimate. And because of the legitimacy of the pain, you feel justified in holding on to that stronghold. And the problem is when you hold on to a stronghold, it's like putting handcuffs on yourself and throwing the key away. Everybody in here, I need you to realize you have strongholds in your life. Here's the second thing. Number two, you must battle your strongholds every day of your life. You must battle your strongholds every day of your life. He says, the weapons of our warfare, verse 4, are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Listen, you do yourself a disservice by not recognizing that standing for Jesus and his kingdom will bring you into constant conflict. You are not going to face spiritual battles when you become a Christian just on Sunday. How many of you can testify Monday through Saturday you got to deal with hell and the demons of hell? Matter of fact, some of y'all don't even get a break on Sunday. Come on, you can say amen if I'm right about it. He says, you've got to recognize that you've got to do battle with your stronghold every day of your life. Especially when people, places, or things trigger your stronghold. All of a sudden, you go back to that place that you said you would never go back to. You're in a battle. Now, the question is, who are you in a battle with? Look at A. You are in a battle with the devil. You are in the battle with the devil. I'm not talking about two little horns and a long pointy tail and a pitchfork. 
I'm talking about the devil, the adversary, the enemy, the slanderer, the father of lies, the spiritual force of darkness. You are in a battle with the devil. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. The devil is real and the devil is busy. See, on one extreme, there's somebody in here who's saying, well, I don't believe in the devil. Okay. Then on the other extreme, you see the devil everywhere. And what I'm telling you is the accuser, the devil, the slanderer is walking around seeing who he may devour. Now, somebody may be thinking and saying, well, you know what? I never even knew the devil existed until I became a Christian. Watch this. The devil didn't need to bother you when you weren't bothering him. It wasn't until you started living right and trying to encourage somebody else to live right that the devil said, oh, now you're getting out of hand now. First John 5, 19 says, we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. But not only are you in a spiritual battle with the devil, a B, you are in a spiritual battle with your flesh. You are in a spiritual battle with your flesh. Romans 7 tells us that when we would do right, evil is always present. The good that I would do, that I shouldn't. The evil that I shouldn't do, that's what I end up doing. Romans 7 and 8 talks about this war that we're in between our flesh and our spirit. And here's what we need to understand. That battle takes place on multiple fronts. It takes place physically. It takes place mentally. It takes place mentally, uh, uh, physically, emotionally, and it takes place spiritually. We are always in a fight. And here's what I need you to understand. Whether you call it your old man, your sin nature, your natural man, your inner self is still with you with all of its sinful proclivities. That's why strongholds are so powerful because strongholds have been built in the soil and on the foundation of a sinful existence. And it always looks to justify its existence rather than accepting the reality that it's not where God wants you to live. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is of the world. Every sin that you even think about committing falls into one of these three categories. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. And that's why Paul wants you to understand your sin nature did not go away when you gave your life to Jesus. Your damaged self, the part of you that has endured hurts, hang-ups, and destructive habits, that hurt child, that mistreated adult living inside of you still wants its pain and desires recognized and gratified. And that's why so many of us hurt other people 
without ever really intending to hurt them or we're sorrowful afterwards because hurt people hurt people and when you're walking around with unresolved hurt, guess what? The hurt that you give is unrelenting. You got to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. It leads us to number three. You need to realize you must depend upon the power of God. Everybody say power of God. You must depend upon the power of God to be victorious over your strongholds. The B part of verse four says, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Everybody say destroy. destroy. Here's what I need you to understand about a stronghold. You are not supposed to negotiate with a stronghold. You're not even supposed to serve eviction papers on a stronghold. The Bible says that we have been given power to destroy a stronghold. That we ought to tear a stronghold down, haul off the remains of a stronghold so there's no evidence that the stronghold has ever been there. And God says he has given us divine power. That word power speaks to the ability, the mighty power. It comes from the same word where we get the word dunamis from. It is not our power. It's not a power in our flesh. It is God's power that is needed to overcome a stronghold. He says you have the power to destroy it, to demolish it, to make it extinct. Here's what I need somebody to know. You cannot defeat Satan in your own strength. You are not strong enough. You are not smart enough. You are not brave enough to fight spiritual battles and be victorious without God's power. That's why praise and prayer are so important. Praise reminds you of who God is. Prayer gives you access to who God is. And God wants you to learn how to turn to him and find divine help to deal with the situation in your life, that stronghold that can never be eradicated without his power. Supernatural power. Look at A. The Holy Spirit fights with you. When you decide to fight your strongholds, you don't have to go about it by yourself. The Holy Spirit will fight with you and give you victory over your strongholds. 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. When I get divine power on my side, I am assured victory because with man it is impossible. But do I have a witness in here who can testify with God all things are possible? But watch B. Not only will the Holy Spirit fight with you, B, the Holy Spirit fights for you. Yeah, when you're tired, when you're beat up, when you're beat down, when you're unable to fight for yourself, the Holy Ghost will fight for you. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, even when you get to the place, watch this, when the fight is too hard, you can't even articulate what you need from God. You don't know and you can't say it. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost will hear our moans and our groans, will interpret our moans and groans and intercede on our behalf according to the will of God. 
he says you need to learn how to stand firm. Let me quickly get to number four. If you're going to overcome the strongholds in your life, number four, you must choose to fight to overcome the strongholds in your life. You must choose to fight. Verse five, for we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every argument and every lofty opinion, we destroy it. Every thought, we take captive to obey Christ. We're not going to let our strongholds influence our thoughts or our opinions. We're going to take those things captive and obey Christ. Now, that idea of warfare means just that, to serve in a military campaign, to contend with the carnal inclinations of our flesh. He says, recognize you in a fight. you in a fight, and you better choose to fight. You got to choose to fight. Now, here's the problem that many of us don't understand. We in a fight, we just determine we're not going to hit back. How many of you know you don't have to hit back to be in a fight? Yeah, you're just going to get beat up. That's all. You're just going to get beat up. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. No, I don't, I don't want to fight. Hey, hey, hey. I'm trying to tell somebody you in a fight. And you losing because you won't fight back. And watch this. You have the ability to fight back and win. There's a war going on. And once you are saved, listen to me carefully, it's not a war for your soul, but now it's a war for your spirit. And the devil says, if I can just control your spirit, if I can just keep you down, then I can render you ineffective. If I can keep you down, then I can keep you from walking in joy. If I can keep you down, I can keep you from walking in love. If I can keep you down. I can keep you from having peace in your life. And if I can keep you from having peace in your life, I can keep you from having peace in your home. If I can keep you from having love in your life, I can keep you from having love in your home. If I can keep you from having joy in your life, guess what? I can keep you from having joy in your home. Just leave my stronghold alone. How can you fight and get victory over your strongholds? Look at A. Ask God to reveal the sin that is at the root of your stronghold and confess it. Ask God to reveal the sin that is at the root of your stronghold and confess it. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Listen, you got to call it what it is. You can't address it if you won't identify it. Listen, some strongholds are the results of unchecked and unconfessed sins in your life that have remained so long, you think they are a part of your life. 
Matter of fact, some of you, watch this. Your stronghold has been so long with you, you consider it a part of your personality. When it really should be treated as an unwelcome and unwanted visitor. Some strongholds are the result of sins that have been committed against you like abuse or violence. And it has created a stronghold in you that you just can't let go of. Some strongholds are caused by generational sins that run in your family. For example, let's take abandonment. Um, My father left my mother. He left my mother. I was in college. Didn't really affect me as much as it did my younger sister who was seven years younger than me. Right? Now I look back at his history. He was abandoned by his father. So he didn't know how to stay because all he saw was a man who was gone. Somebody ought to hear me in here today. So here comes that stronghold, that stronghold of abandonment that now opens the door for other sins to come in. So his abandonment when he was a kid led him to abuse. He saw abuse. He experienced abuse from his grandfather. Now he perpetuates that and that becomes a stronghold in his life that he never addressed or dealt with. Call it what it is. It's a stronghold. And it keeps you from fulfilling your potential in God. But you got to call it what it is. You can't be walking around talking about, well, you know, it's just a little indulgence. No, it's greed. It's materialism. Don't call it, well, you know, I'm just saying it. You know, I just, I got a concern. No, call it gossip. Don't call it irritability. Don't call it uh, I'm snapping. Don't, don't blame it on something physiological. Come on, call it anger. Call it what it is. Well, watch this. I told you, A, ask God to reveal the sin that is at the root of the stronghold and confess it. B, release the unresolved pain that's the root of your stronghold and repent of it. Release the unresolved pain that's at the root of your stronghold and repent of the sin. Once you call it what it is, then you got to deal with it. First thing you got to do is release it. Everybody say release. release. Release means to actively and aggressively let go of the wrong and the sins that were done to you in your past. And we're not talking about releasing it from your hands. We're talking about releasing it from your spirit. Watch what Hebrews 12.1 says. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. He says, lay aside every weight and the sin because there are some things, listen carefully, that are sin that are holding you back, but there are some things that are just weights that are unnecessary. They may not be sin, but they are weights that you need to let go of 
before you can run the race that God wants you to run. I'm here to tell somebody, let it go. You might have to let it go by forgiving somebody. You might have to let it go by forgiving yourself, but let it go. See, holding on to what's been done to you can become the sadness, the sin, and the suffering that metastasizes into a stronghold. And that stronghold can become cancerous to your life. And listen to me carefully. You might not want to admit it, but some of you are not where you could be today because of a stronghold that was created in your yesterday that you never addressed. He says you've got to release it, but the second thing you've got to do is repent. Repent means to actively and aggressively turn away from the area where you have sinned or fallen short of God's will for your life. That's what Acts 3.19 says. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. You have the power, my brothers and sisters, to choose freedom when it comes to battling and defeating the strongholds in your life. What's the stronghold? that has a hold of you. I'll be honest with you. I've been preaching now 42 years, pastoring four church, four churches, been a Christian since 1979. Can I tell y'all something? It wasn't until rooted that I was actually able to put my finger on a stronghold. And now going back through it, I think I found another one. Matter of fact, I know I did. The problem is the stronghold is so strong, I don't even want to admit I found it. <laughs> Y'all laughing, but I'm telling you the truth. My question to you is, what is your stronghold? Bitterness, controlling, idolatry, despair, jealousy, sexual immorality, false teaching, insecurity, rejection, Deceit, fear, pride, what is your stronghold? See, if bitterness is your stronghold, then you got to choose forgiveness. That's where your freedom is in choosing forgiveness. If control is your stronghold, your freedom is in surrender. If despair is your stronghold, then your freedom is in hope. If jealousy is your stronghold, then your freedom is in gratefulness. If insecurity is your stronghold, then security in Jesus is your freedom. If rejection is your stronghold, then acceptance in Christ is your freedom. If fear is your stronghold, then trust in God is your freedom. If pride is your stronghold, then humility is where you find freedom in Jesus. Galatians 5.16, let's read it together. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Can I tell you something? It's the enemy's goal. If he can't destroy you, it's his goal to debilitate you. It's his goal, if he can't get you off the team, it's his goal to keep you on the bench. 
to make sure that you will never be used the way God wants to use you. He wants to keep you at that stronghold. And the Bible says God wants you to destroy it. He wants you to walk in what he has for you. But you've got to make a conscious decision to participate in the good fight that God has for you. And you've got to keep fighting the good fight. This is not a momentary fight. This is not a three-round fight. This is not even a 12-round fight. You got to fight for the rest of your life. Because if you're not careful, that stronghold will try to come back in. It'll find a trigger. It'll find somebody to say something or do something that'll cause that stronghold to raise its ugly head. You got to keep on fighting. But here's the good news. You don't have to fight by yourself. Have I got a witness here? Because the Bible says the power of God is on your side. In other words, victory can be yours. When you stop fighting in your flesh and you start fighting in the power of God. The old song said it like this, yield not to temptation for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you some other to win. Fight manfully onward. Dark passions subdue. But here's the key. Look ever to Jesus. And he will carry you through. And then the song said, ask the Savior to help you. Comfort, strengthen, and keep you. He is willing to aid you. And he will carry you through. Shun evil companions. Bad language disdain. God's name hold in reverence. Never take it in vain. Be thoughtful and earnest. Kind hearted and true. Look ever to Jesus and he will carry you through. Ask the Savior to help you comfort, strengthen, and keep you. Have I got a witness here? He is willing to aid you. Anybody know he will carry you through? Yes. Yes. You've got to put your hand in God's hand and tell the Lord it's too big for me, but it's just right for you and me. And God will do what no other power can do. He can deliver. He can bring you out. He can bring you through. If you trust him and never doubt. Have I got a witness in here? He will. I said he will bring you out.
today. God, we thank you. I pray now, God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, help each person under the sound of my voice to identify by your Spirit the stronghold or the strongholds that they're dealing with. And God, I pray that you would let them know that where they are is not where you want them to be. That you have greater for them. That you have better for them. That you have more for them beyond what they can ask, think, or imagine. Help them, Lord, to walk in what you have for them. Help them to walk into freedom and to stop walking in bondage so that they can experience all you have for them. And help them to know, God, that the freedom that's available cannot be done without your power. But God, help them to know it will not be done without their permission and their participation. Help somebody under the sound of my voice to say, I yield. I give up, Lord. Come in and have your way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.